And I want you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42, and then we're going to read a short portion in Isaiah 55. And um, uh, I, I just began to pray, you know, I, I didn't preach last week, and I didn't preach Sunday, and, and uh, so I've been reading and studying and just doing my devotions and everything, but I didn't really have a clear and concise direction until God uh, met me in prayer, and then I knew what He wanted me to speak on, but I, I, after hearing uh, Daryl, uh, Brother Daryl speak on Sunday, and he used the terminology at the end of his sermon, and he said that we need to have prophetic preaching. That's the only preaching that's going to, that's, that's the only real pr- true pr- preaching, amen. And uh, we need to have prophetic preaching. There's a lot of pathetic preaching, but we need prophetic preaching, amen. And so in Isaiah 42, and I'm just going to use these two verses as a foundation and a, a basis or a backdrop for what I want to speak tonight, and it's going to be kind of a topical message. And you say, well, I was looking more for analytical. Well, you came to the wrong service, amen. I'm going to just expound on this thought and on prophetic preaching, and it's going to be here a little, there a little, amen. It's going to, as, as Brother Talbert said, like the heavy set farmer going through the bobbed wire fence, there's going to be a point here and a point there. Did you get it? In Isaiah chapter 42, verse 9, he says, Behold, the former things are come to pass, and new things do I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. He does in his word. And then over in Isaiah 55, just a few uh, chapters over to the right, In verse 10, the Bible says this. You know, I I just want to go up to verse 8, but my uh, main text is 10 and 11, and we will come back to it later in the message. But he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher Then the earth soar my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returns not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. God does nothing that doesn't prosper. He does nothing in you and I that He doesn't have a prophetic plan and and will to bring to pass. You've got to know that. Everything that you go through, God is in the midst of it. I, I, you know, I felt like I got slapped around a few times this week, just in a di- few different uh, situations. And I said to my wife, I said, it's all in the plan of God, all in the will of God, you know. And so he's doing a work in me, an eternal work in us, in our church, in this world, in his church. And uh, he's not going to stop till he's done and he's finished. And thank God for that work. 
Amen. We get on the potter's wheel and, and, you know, a lot of times we want that work to be over right away, but it's a lifelong process. Amen. Thank God we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. (laughs) Glory to God. Let's pray over the word together. Father, we thank you for the time to come to worship you, to give and worship in our offerings. And Lord, we come tonight to break open the bread of life and just think about this thought of prophecy, Lord, or prophetic preaching. And Lord, I just thank you for this great thought that you gave me. And I pray that you will use me tonight to minister this to those that are sitting here in this congregation. Give them a hope. Give them a faith. Give them something, God, to hold on to. That if they put their faith and trust in you, you have a final end in them or a final beginning really is what it is a finishing of their faith Lord and we want to finish this life in faith and stand before you and hear those wonderful words well done thou good and faithful servant help us Lord to see that you're working in our midst in our life and God will give you all the glory and honor and it is for your glory and praise in Jesus name we ask it amen and amen As I said, I want to preach on prophetic preaching, okay? Now, I'm going to go a lot of different directions or different thoughts, I should say. Not different directions, but different thoughts. But I want to preach a deep thought. Can we handle a deep thought? You can handle a deep thought. Now, Daryl said we must preach with prophetic preaching. And uh, not as scribes, but as prophets. That's what the preacher, the evangelist... Those that are proclaiming, whether you're on the streets, whether you're teaching in the classes, you're preaching, teaching to the young adults in the pulpit, in the prison or the jail, wherever you're going, what you speak has got to speak prophetic life to people. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not preaching some weirdo, goofy thing. I'm telling you that we have to speak something that will speak hope, faith, life into people. In this age, we have to hear that to carry on. Do you understand? We need the word of God. But he said that we need to preach with a prophetic preaching. Not as scribes, not as a scribe, but a prophet. Not as mere readers of the word of God, which is what a scribe was, or somebody that's just writing things down, but expounders and revealers of the great truth that God has given unto us. Did not the apostle Paul say, you are walking epistles, amen? You are uh, the only Bible that some people will ever see is in you on your job when you're working when you're at the grocery store when you're in a restaurant and they're overwhelmed in this time that we're living in and they can't get people to come and work and 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 they're overwhelmed and you're nice to them and you show them the love of Christ and a person who's brought their their flesh under subjection and tempered. And they say, man, for the first time today, I've seen somebody that didn't just blow up because I didn't get their order right or I didn't serve them right when they wanted me to. Or, or, or you know, I, well, that's what I'm saying. We are walking epistles. We are walking Bibles. We are people who are lighthouses. Amen. We show the love and the life and the light of Christ. And that's what this world needs. And we need to begin to speak that, show that live that before them 
That's what I'm talking about tonight. What is prophetic preaching? I guess I should have called it prophetic living, but prophetic preaching, it's preaching words of life. It's preaching messages that draw us in closer and deeper to God. Amen. Somebody should want to get around you because they see something in you that is attractive spiritually to them and draws them unto you. And it's Christ in you, not you, but it's Christ in you and me but it's preaching prophetic preaching is words of life messages that draw us in closer and deeper it's messages that cause us to look forward to a hope look forward to something beyond this life and look forward with an expectation and something eternal amen aren't you thankful that we have eternity to look forward to Paul said if in this life we only have Jesus, we only know Christ in this life. We're of men most miserable. But in that passage, he said, this isn't all there is. But there is an eternity that we're going to arrive where we're going to see Him face to face. We're going to experience this wonderful Savior and the eternal life that He promised us. We have more than just this life, uh, Christ in this life. Thank God for eternity. Amen? Now God told Ezekiel, prophesy in Ezekiel 37, speak to the valley of dry bones. And he did. And what happened? Oh my goodness, a lot of things happened. The Lord's telling me to go there. So turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37 and I'm just going to read it because faith comes by hearing and hearing by... Amen. So in Ezekiel 37, he said, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he carried me out into the spirit, in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? That's the question God is put in each and every one of us can these bones live can this situation change can my marriage be healed can my child be delivered from drug addiction can my life ever have a sunshiny day amen a day where there's joy a day where there's not depression can these bones live again he said he said man of God or son of man can these bones live and I answered Oh Lord God, Thou knowest. Oh, aren't you thankful? God knows what we don't know. Amen. And He says, I know they can live. I'm just trying to find out if you believe that they can live or you know that they can live. I can tell you, if you say there's no hope, there will be no hope for your situation. But if you believe God, God can perform the impossible on your behalf. Can these bones live again? He said, you know God. And again he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That's what we need to hear. Prophetic preaching. Are you hearing me tonight? Mighty God, you didn't. this ain't a Thursday night message. Woo! Can these bones live again? Yes, they can. But you're going to have to prophesy to them. You're going to have to speak to them. Are you hearing me? 
He said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, Oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Some people just need to hear the word of the Lord. They don't want to hear the word. They want to focus on the problem. But hear the word of the Lord. These bones can live. This situation can be remedied. And let me tell you something else. Maybe God just wants to bring life to you and bring you through it. Oh. Hear the word of the Lord. Why do you say that, Pastor? Why do you say that maybe all God's wanting to do is bring life to me? Because there may be people in the situation or circumstance that don't want to hear the word of the Lord. But you've got to hear it for your sake. You've got to hear it for you. Whether they ever hear it or not, you've got to hear it. You've got to believe God. Because I can tell you, you can be in a situation, but somebody else's disobedience or somebody else's decisions to make stupid choices and judgments and decisions, you cannot allow that to destroy your faith. You've got to know God for yourself. And you say, I feel like a dry, dead bone, a body, a corpse that's out there in that field in the valley. You've got to believe God. And whenever you hear the preaching, the prophetic preaching of the Word of God, you've got to believe it. Amen. He said, Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone, and when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and skin covered them above but there was no breath in them then said he unto me prophesy unto the wind prophesy son of man and say to the wind thus saith the Lord God come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live so I prophesied as he commanded and commanded me and the breath came unto them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army Years ago, Lizzie Munoz is sitting at the back of this church. Years ago, she was an alcoholic bound by the enemy. Years ago, one last week, years ago. But God touched her and he breathed upon her. And God saved her and delivered her right there in her bedroom as she cried out to God. And all of that went by the wayside. So we know that where there's a valley of dry bones, where there's no life, God can speak life into that. He said, prophesy that there be a prophetic word spoken that'll change a life. I can come all the way up this church one by one, sitting in here as one miracle after another. Brother Henry, God spoke life to him and those dead bones rose up. 
I'm telling you, uh, Lorenzo Adami, God spoke breath into him. Those dead bones rose up all the way up, all the way back. Every one of us in here was a valley of dry bones. But God said, hear what the prophetic voice is speaking and get up and live. Oh, when I read some of my favorite authors that have died, and that's all of them. When I read Tozer, and I read Sparks, and I read A.B. Simpson, and I read these great men of God, something leads me to prayer. It's the prophetic voice that never died, even though they died in the 50s and the 60s and the 40s and the early 1900s. Their writings were anointed when they were written. And there's a prophetic power and a prophetic voice that when I read the Word of God, but also authors that wrote great deep things about God, it stirs my heart and it drives me to prayer. Woos me to prayer. Oh my goodness. Because it's men who peered into the deep things of God and wrote prophetically. The prophetic is a part of the fabric of all that God is and does. Amen. My pastor didn't realize it whenever I got saved, probably. He didn't, I don't think he realized how prophetic his voice was. But he spoke life to me. And I'm standing here today, 32 years later, delivered 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 of lust delivered of perversion delivered of abuse delivered of things in my life I stand here today as somebody that knows God and knows the power of God because somebody spoke prophetically into my life (laughs) that's why we read biblical language that says he put eternity in our heart Say, man, I just feel so stirred in my heart. I just want to go to the house of God. God put that there. Amen. He put that there. So that, that he put something in there that's beyond where you're at. Something you can reach forth to. Amen. It just seems like even though you, you get a touch from God, it's never enough. Amen. If it ever becomes enough, you need to go back to the well. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Did you hear me? <laughs> If it ever feels like it's not enough, or I, you know what, I'm just not going to go tonight. You need to go back to the well. You need to go get some oil in that lamp. <laughs> Praise God. He put eternity in our heart. Or he says, who shall ascend to the holy hill of the Lord? In uh, Psalms 24. I can tell you him who is of a clean heart and clean hands and a pure heart. He's not lifted himself up to vanity. But wants God. Amen. Wants God. There's a lot of preaching that's vain preaching. That's vanity preaching. I'm going to tell you right now. I heard Brother Clinton years ago. He said, a man stood up and said, my faith got me a jet airplane. He said, my faith delivered me of the vanity of wanting one. God doesn't care if you have something nice just as long as that's not your God. That's not what makes you and defines you. Christ defines you. Amen. Amen. 
Or He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, all that we're able to think or even begin to ask. These are prophetic scriptures that talk about what God has done and can do and is doing in you. He that has begun this great work in you is going to be faithful to complete it. God's not done till He's done. Amen. Even the Lord's prayer, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. It speaks of a prophetic possibility that God desires the power of heaven to affect a cursed earth. He wants you and I to pray in such a way. It's not just prophetic preaching. It's prophetic praying. Today in prayer, God so graciously opened my understanding that He thinks prophetically, speaks prophetically, acts to further His prophetic plans. I hope Bible's about prophecy. From the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, whenever He said to the woman, He said to Eve, He said, you're going to produce a seed and He is going to crush the head of that serpent. Yeah, He's going to bruise His heel. He's going to try to knock him out, but it ain't going to work. Amen. He's going to be pierced. He's going to, he's going to bruise that heel. But he, I'm telling you, the seed that's going to come through Eve all the way down, amen, to when Christ was born of a virgin, it's going to crush the head of that serpent. And aren't you thankful that that prophecy came to pass? Amen. Oh, how do you know it came to pass? How do you know the New Testament, you know, history is exactly as you preach it? Oh, I said, you know, I believe that, but I know it's true because it's happened in my life. It's like the old song said if God is dead then who's this living in my soul who is it what's God done in my life my son he was telling me about how they got this program at, at work and they're trying to help people to get victory over things you know because so many problems and so many things going on, especially in men's lives and, you know, women too, but men's lives. And so got somebody that's kind of a religious person at their church, at their church, at their work, trying to, you know, pull together this. It's not a Bible study. It's some kind of a little course or program. And they're trying to, through disciplines, get people delivered or set free or overcome pornography and things like that. And so my son just looked at him and he said, I've got your answer. You don't have to go through disciplinary courses. They need Jesus. Well, you just made it so simple. Well, it worked for me. I went to an old-fashioned altar. It worked for you and I. You just went to an old-fashioned altar and God can deliver you. He said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Now, I know we need to be taught the Word of God and to know that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. we got to learn to cast down imaginations. we got to learn to put on the whole armor every day and begin to fight against the enemy. Amen. But God gives us the equipment. He gives us all of the armament. We don't have to go down in defeat. He almost told Kyle, well, why don't you teach the class? Amen. Uh, maybe your, situ maybe your, your curriculum is better than mine. I can tell you, God's curriculum's better. Amen. It's better. It's better. You know, the self-help, my goodness. If you could help yourself, you would have already done it. You need Jesus. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> simply put, God is always prophetically thinking, prophetically speaking, prophetically acting to bring about His plan. Moving forward, He's never idle. He's never stationary, but always progressive. That's what prophecy is. It's moving forward. It's furthering the things of God, the plan of God. Prophecy or the prophetic teaches us there is always more. He could have stopped at creating us, but He didn't. He made us new, born-again creation. Somebody told me, you know, God doesn't create anymore. I said, you're wrong. They said, oh, okay, Mr. Theologian, tell me what He's creating. I said, I know that... He, the Bible says that he finished creating the heavens and the earth and the world and everything that's in them. I said, but the Bible says that he's making new creatures, so he's creating in you and I a spiritual life, number one. I said, what about in Psalms 51, whenever David said, create in me a clean heart? I said, or what about whenever the man with the withered hand didn't have, you know, an arm and Jesus said, stretch forth your hand and he created it and made it exactly identical to the other one. I said, God is still creating. He's still doing miraculous things because God is progressive and he wants to progress in you and me. If you're the same that you were 15 years ago, you need to hit an altar. Amen. So, well, you know, I'm, 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 I'm a Christian, but I cuss a little. Well, you need to get in the altar, and you need to get right with God. He can get a hold of that tongue. Amen. Amen. Well, we laugh about that, but there's a lot of things that goes on in Christians' lives that are an absolute misrepresentation of God. They're a poor example, testimony. Why would the world ever want something that you don't have yourself? Amen. Well, you guys are quiet. We've been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. Thus why His ordained, chosen, anointed ministers have a qualifying evidence, a prophetic voice. A prophetic voice. Paul said, you're not just a conqueror, but you're more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You've been called to victory. You've been called to overcome. Jesus didn't just redeem you to sit on a church pew. He redeemed you to live an overcoming life in victory. And People will see your life. They'll see Christ in you. And it will give them a hope in their own life. If he did it for them, he'll do it for me. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know... When the pitcher, when you hit the ball, and I'm not a big baseball person, believe me. I promise you I'm not. But one thing I learned as a kid, the two, two seasons I played ball until they asked me to leave, amen. I'd hit the ball, and I'd run to first base, and I knew this much. When the pitcher lobs it over to the first baseman and it goes over his head, don't sit there like a wart on a pickle. Run to second base. Run to third base. Bust a move, buddy. Because God 
didn't just deliver you for a momentary thing for you to stand there and go, wow, I made it to first base. I've been redeemed. Run, brother. Run to that second base. Run to that third base. Amen. God wants to get you to home plate. You understand? He doesn't want you just to get along or just say, well, I'm just redeemed. No, you're redeemed, amen, to bring glory to God. You're redeemed to show that Christ's power is real. And he said, I've got a prophetic voice, a prophetic power, a prophetic word. I've got something I'm trying to do in you. Because when you cross that finish line, God gets the glory. Oh my goodness. The Apostle Paul said, I've run my race. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. And he said, I kept the faith. And he said, waiting for me is a crown of righteousness. And for everyone who loves his appearing, amen, we have something to live for. And he put that prophetically in us. Oh my. My. Jesus didn't only redeem us. But he redeemed us to thrive in victory. Loosed us to freely serve him. Amen. There's a lot of chickens that have wings. But they don't fly. He didn't call you to be a chicken. He called you to be an eagle. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Amen. God called us to be eagles to soar in the heavens. <laughs> he will do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. Ephesians 3 and verse 20. He is always progressing. He and His will is in us powerfully working. That's why he said, make sure you don't keep your eyes upon what's around you. If you're looking at what's around you, you're going to be in failure and defeat. You're going to be depressed. Amen. If you look at this world, I'm telling you, crazy things happen in every day. Crazy things. We're living in a dark world. Dark world. I must share something with you that a lot of people don't realize, but it's a News fact. It is. This ain't false, fake media. This ain't fake news. Do you realize that since November we have had? I can't even tell you how many, but it's in like the thirty to forty range. Food processing plants that have burnt to the ground in the United States and other places, but a lot in the United States. It's unbelievable. It's it's just not made mainstream news. And and, and I thought, my goodness, things. Are, 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 are happening and you're wondering what's behind all of this there's all kinds of things happening but you cannot keep your eyes upon that stuff you've got to know that if all I got is a bag of rice when it comes down to the tightest of times God can make that multiply amen if he can make the fishes and the loaves stretch he can make that happen too I hope it doesn't come down to that but what I'm saying is there's a lot of dark sinister things that are happening in this antichrist day that we're living in and you can't keep your eyes upon that you've got to keep your eyes upon Jesus 
Amen. You say, I'm wanting God to move in my situation. But every time I see that person or every time they say something or every time I see them do something, I get so discouraged and I get so down. you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. He said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12. I can quote it to you. He said, Wherefore, as we are uh, encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and run this race with patience, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before Him and, and, and despised the shame, endured the cross. Amen. And He's seated at the right hand of the Father, expecting till you and I Put the devil under our feet. He gave us power. He gave us power. Amen. He gave us power. We used to have an old lady that used to call my dad every Monday, it seemed like. She said, Brother Skiles, devil's on my back. He said, well, get him off. Devil's on my back. She'd start, and it's one thing on top of three. The car won't start. Amen. The pilot light went out in the hot water heater. They're supposed to deliver my groceries, this and that, and this and that. My neighbor came out and pushed my garbage pail over. The devil's on my back. And he said, I'm going to tell you something, sister, right now. You need to look unto Jesus. Amen. Get your eyes off of circumstances and things that are just petty little irritants. Because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. <laughs> Amen. They can't destroy the tree, but they nibble at all those little fruit that are hanging there on that vine to rob you of your effectiveness, rob you of your joy, rob you of the fruit of your life. You can't let the enemy do that. Amen. Because if he can, if he can get you, he'll get you every day. <laughs> God clearly has a beginning for us. And a finish, because he said, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We are, we are not just uh, to start in faith, we're to finish in faith. And God has a beginning for us, and he has a finish for us. We are not at the finish yet, but everything points to a finish. That's biblical. Everything points to a finish. God is going to finish it all. Amen. It may look like the devil's winning, he's already lost. There's a finish. And I've read the back of the book. I know who wins. Amen. Jesus. He already won the war. Praise God. But our text in Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, begins to tell us that God has a purpose in His Word. The rain and the snow have a purpose to water the seed, to bring to fruition God's perfect finish. And it speaks of a prophetic process and manifestation of the water's fulfillment. That snow will fall, that rain will fall, and it looks like when it's falling, when it gets in the ground, it's over, but it's not. It's soaking down in the ground, amen. And it's beginning to cause the seed to germinate and bud and bring up life. We pray prayers and we forget we prayed them, and then God begins to work. You know, I didn't really water all my geraniums, and I like color, amen. In my yard, I like color. You know, my sister Skiles likes pink flowers, and I got every color kind of pink you can think of, amen. When she was selling Mary Kay, she was all about pink, and now we're not doing that anymore, so we got a lot of pink, amen. 
And so, but here's all these pink flowers and they look like they were dying. But while, 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 while uh, you turn your head, the rain begins to fall and it rained a few times throughout the night and nobody paid attention to it. But it pulled up one day and I thought, I haven't watered them flowers, but they're just as bright and colorful and vibrant and living. God said that water fell. Didn't seem like anything at first, but a week and a half, two weeks later, here's those new buds coming up. We pray, we have an encounter with God. He pours His Spirit out upon us. And there's things that take place in the spiritual realm that you don't even pay attention to, you don't even know, but God's doing something down the road. You pray in the Spirit and you don't realize you're praying prophetically things down the road. Amen? <laughs> Let me share something with you here. I'm not going to preach all night. But stay here with me. God has a expected end and its fruitfulness. He has a prophetic word, a prophetic action, a prophetic thing that He does in our lives. And everyone quotes Jeremiah 29.11. You've heard it. I've heard it. We've all quoted it. I'm going to read it to you. People that aren't even right with God quote this. And I guess in a sense that it is faith and expecting God to do something in their life. But, but uh, <clears throat> they need to read the remainder of it. And the Bible says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Remember that. Jeremiah 29, 11. But he then says, Then... <laughs> What happens after I do what I'm going to do? What is my expected end? Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you and you shall seek my face and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and from the places whither you have been driven and bring you into a a place where there's no more captivity. We look at things that take place in our life and we think, God, why is this happening to me? God is working. He's working. He's working. Amen. I look at Teresa here and, oh, she's been around the world. Amen. But God got her over there in New York and told her, you know what, sis, even though you tried to go to the other side of the world, of the United States, I should say, not the world, but the other side of the United States, God's still going to bring you back where he called you in the first place. Jonah, what are you doing fleeing from God, going to Tarshish whenever I called you to go preach in Nineveh? Amen. I don't want to do that, God. God doesn't care what you want to do. He has a will for your life. Somebody said to me, I, I, I don't feel like doing that. And I said, well, God never asked us if we felt like doing it. He commands us to do things. If we're in His will and we're His child, we do them. Amen? Period. Period. So God has an expected end for us. And uh, as I said, everyone quotes Jeremiah 29, 11, but often it's a selfish motive in their prayer. They want something that, in the end, that God doesn't want or that He's not going to do. But He has something that He wants to do and get out of your trial. And we've all been through trials. And God wants to teach us something in the trial. Are you ready? 
He wants to teach you something in the trial. That's why he said, he said in verses uh, 12 through 14, he said, there will be a cry of the heart and prayer that will come. Then will you cry out to me. Then shall you call upon me and you shall go and pray and I'll hear you. He, he, he shows you that at the end of that, he brought you into a place of an open heaven. He brought you into a place of a search of God where you found him. Amen. You know, I was prophetically praying last week, oh Lord, sanctify me purify me and you need to be careful because a lot of times we can pray in ways and we feel really good about saying those kind of things to God Lord sanctify me make me a holy man and my heart was pure and I'm crying out to God I said Lord change me sanctify me I'm sure there's something there please show me reveal it to me oh if you ever ask God that in sincerity, you better buckle your seatbelt. Because I had two or three different things that happened to me that I was just like, but I'm just going to share one with you, and I'll never mention names. But I pulled up over to go to Chipotle on Monday, and I parked my truck in a place I never park up there by T-Mobile. I was over there on, on Imperial and Idaho. And I started to walk, and the Spirit of God said, don't go eat, turn around and go fast. And I thought, oh, well, there went my Chipotle. So I walked back to the truck, and when I was walking back to the truck, I saw somebody drive by that used to go to the church several years ago. They didn't know that I saw them out of the corner of my eye, and I acted like I didn't see them. But they were looking at me. So they drove over to Target. They pulled in. To the parking spot. And I thought, you know what, Lord? I'm going to drive over there because I just want to say hi to them. I just want to tell them, it, I, I miss you guys. I'm just, how are you doing? How's your family? All of these things. And I got in my truck to drive over to a, 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 a family that never said goodbye. They just left. And I drove over, and whenever they spotted my truck, they shut their door, and they drove out of the parking lot. I sat in my truck, and I said, God, what did I ever do to them? I loved them. I this, I that, I this, I that. I don't know why they would not want to talk to me I wasn't even going to go over there Justin and tell him why ain't you been in church but you know some people are like why ain't you been in church backslider don't do that don't, that's, the, that's horrible don't do that go up to him and say you know what it's so good to see you how you doing how's your family amen my goodness you know what I'm, that's what I wanted to do just love on him Really, that, my heart's pure. And they drove away. And my heart sunk in my stomach. And I said, God, what did I ever do to them that they feel like that they can't even be in my presence to say hello? People say, oh, well, pastor, you know. Uh, people will make statements like this. Well, you know, they, they, they're probably guilty or they feel convicted or this and that and whatever. But, but. 
I, I, my first thought was, is that the kind of impression that I put off? No, I can tell you I don't. I'm telling you, I know enough about myself to know I'm going to love you, put my arm around you, and just say, hey, how are you doing, you know? And as I sat there in the truck, the Holy Spirit said, you ask me to sanctify you and make you holy. How will you ever know what's down deep in your heart until you're put to the test? And he said, it's real easy to love people that love you back. But you don't realize the difficulty to love people that do not love you back. And for no cotton-picking reason at all. I went to my prayer closet and I wept and I cried because just for a moment, I was like, Lord, I prayed for them. I prayed them in. I prayed this. I prayed that. I gave. I this. I that. And he said, I hung on a cross as they spit on me, as they plucked my beard out, as they put a crown of thorns on my head. And he said, when they reviled against me, I never reviled back. Okay. And he said, you prayed a prophetic prayer that you didn't even realize a week and a half later was going to come to pass. And as serious as you were about it, I was about it. And he said, now what are you going to do with this? I went to my prayer closet and I said, God... I don't know why they did that. But you know what? I love them anyway. And I pray that you will touch them and let them one more time feel your love. I'm not mad at them. I'm not angry at them. I'm not frustrated with them. I'm, I'm grieving because I really love them, and they don't even know that, how much I really do love them. But I pray your blessing upon them. Oh, yeah. I pray your blessing upon them because the, the goodness of God leads people to repentance. That's what Apostle Paul said in Romans 2. And I said, God, deal with them. I said, because I would love to see them back in the house of God again. That's my heart. Prophetic preaching. Prophetic praying. Prophetic action of God. We do not realize, amen, he's teaching us to love no matter what. They don't love me back, so I'm going to ignore them. <laughs> Would Jesus do that? They don't love me back, so I'm, I'm going to criticize them. I'm going to talk about them. I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I'm going to act like they don't exist. I had a man one time tell me, they don't exist. I said, oh, they exist, brother. They most certainly exist. You may think you can turn that off and still call yourself a Christian. I said, but you're a liar. You're living a lie. I said, because you're saying that you're doing something that even Jesus didn't do. And you may not be able to do it in your own power, but God will give you the power to do it in His grace. Listen. 
That's Christ's kind of love. Did not the Bible say, I got to read this. Did not the Bible say, love those. I want to read this to you. Because the Lord, it's just like it was ringing in my ear. You know, you thank God for the word of God and then God uses it and speaks it to you. And you're like, okay, 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 I know it. I heard it, I heard it. <laughs> but Matthew 5, 43 says this. You have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Jesus said, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good. And sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Even the religious do that. Love those. The real test is loving those. When they don't love you back, love them anyway. Amen. You know, we do not realize or see their finish yet. We only see the wrong that they're doing, the hurt that they inflict, the blindness or deception that they're allowing. But God said to me, you're not as pure as you thought you were, buddy. You asked me. I responded. Oh, it's a broken place, but it's a good place. Amen. Because God can shape me and, and, and make a pure specimen of, his, of himself, if that makes any sense, but a greater glory of God from my life, a greater fruitfulness. That's all prophetically what God is doing. And God said that to me. I don't ever want to judge or criticize you folks because you're not where you should be yet. I'm not at my finish yet. None of us are. But God is working a work in our lives. Thus why we need God's prophetic voice speaking unto us through the word, through our prayer life and through our prayer time, through the teaching and the preaching that we hear, and through life events because we don't know God's final for our lives and for others. That's why Paul confessed, I am what I am because of his grace. But he also said, I've not yet apprehended, but I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling that I may know him. And it may have that deeper relationship with God. See, when you don't get what you need in your, in your natural relationships, and we all have them, whether it's father, mother, sister, brother, husband, wife, friend, whatever, when you don't get what you need, you have to know that He's the only one that's going to complete you. And it seems like that whenever you get this totally down, where you're like, you know what, Lord, you're all I need. He makes all these other relationships fall in place. <laughs> It just happens. It's powerful. But it's, it, 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 that's prophetic pursuit when Paul said, I've not yet apprehended, but I'm pressing toward uh, to know him. The prize of the high calling. That's prophetic pursuit of God in his presence. And it's our duty to pursue him and not get frustrated in the prophetic you know, process. Okay, It's all prophetic. I want to share a story and then I'm going to close. There's a story, an old story of a battleship that was cruising the Atlantic off the northern coast of Maine. And one stormy night, the commander, the admiral or commander, was notified of a light ahead. And the commander radioed to the light that he saw ahead, change your course 10 degrees to the west. And he got a response back. And that response was, no, change your course 
10 degrees to the east. And the admiral <laughs> said, no, I am an admiral. Change your course 10 degrees to the west. And the gentleman responded back on the radio and said, no, change your course 10 degrees to the east. I'm a seaman, third class. Well, that absolutely enraged the admiral. And he said in his livid uh, response, he angrily proclaimed, the admiral did, change your course 10 degrees to the west. I am an admirable over a battleship. I am a battleship headed in your direction. And the response was, no, you change your course 10 degrees east. I'm a seaman in the lighthouse. Did you get it? You're headed towards the only thing that's going to bring you safely into the harbor that's not moving. The lighthouse isn't moving. It's stationary. It's a point of reference. And a lot of times we're saying, I'm the captain of this ship. And I'm going to determine where it goes. And God says, I'm the lighthouse. You don't know what you're talking about. I see what you cannot see. Stop it. <laughs> Amen. God has a prophetic destiny for our lives. Don't fight it. Submit and surrender to Him. Say, God, help me. You've got to start with me first. Start here. Don't argue with the light. Follow it. Because Satan's goal is destruction and God's is a glorious end for you. So believe Him. Surrender unto Him. Follow Him. And obey Him. That's why we need prophetic preaching. That's why we need to understand God has a prophetic destiny, vision, plan, will. And all the things that work together for the good are the times we pray and God moves us down a little bit further. We read the word, he brings us a little bit further. See, there's things that you read when maybe say you're 20 and you're going to need that scripture when you're 30. And God put it there. One time I was, I promise you I'm going to close. One time I had a low moment in my life and I said, God, I said, you don't love me anymore. I believed that. I've sinned against you. I've done something that I'm not proud of privately. And I said, I'm just, I'm asking you to forgive me. But you know, I just don't even feel like that you'll even forgive me. That's how low I feel. You know, have you ever been to a place where you feel like I've turned that leaf over so many times it can't be turned over no more? And just like that. God said, 1 John 1, 9, he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. I said, God, I've not been faithful. He said, read the scripture again. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. You may not be faithful. He is faithful. And just to forgive you of your sins. And I said, Lord, 
That's right. He said, keep quoting it. There's no faith there because you forgot that. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. My life is a mess. There's no hope for restoration. That's not true. He said, I will restore what the canker worm, the palmer worm, the locust, the caterpillar hath eaten and destroyed. I will give you beauty for ashes where there's nothing left. I'll restore it. Isn't he faithful? My God. If you didn't get nothing else out of this message tonight, I hope you got it. God will intervene in my situation. In fact, he already is. The very fact that I'm sitting here tonight means God is working in my life. And you know why? Because somebody has been praying for you that you didn't even know about, that they were praying. Amen. Isn't he so good? Let us stand tonight.